Welcome to Stop Telling and Start Listening with David Cook. If you're frustrated with the way we are speaking or not speaking to each other, if you find yourself easily at odds in your conversations with people, this may be just the show for you. Listen in as David and his guests will help you elevate your communication skills and navigate the tensions present in many conversations today. Now, here is David Cook. Hey, good afternoon. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Stop Telling and Start Listening. I'm David Cook, your host. Um, with me today, again, this is like your third appearance, Allison. You're kind of going to become a regular. I might have to be Stop Telling and Start Listening with Dave and Allison. But um, anyway, today I'm blessed to have um, a good friend of mine, Allison, on. And a little backstory is the reason that Allison is on with me is we've had a couple conversations um, um, met for lunch when I was in Detroit a couple months ago, and I was telling her I, there's days where I have topics that I would love to get off my chest, but I don't want to be the guy that's telling. Um, however, if I don't have a guest and I have a message and a topic, I become the teller. So Allison has generously and kindly volunteered to participate to, in quotes, air quotes, interview me. Um, little does she know that's never going to happen. Um, but uh, we're going to pick at a subject that uh, um, is of interest to both of us. I may do more of the talking than Allison, but uh, we're pretty lucky to have Allison on and um, uh, generously give up her time to participate in this podcast. So Allison, hey, thank you for being here again. Oh my gosh, thank you for having me. I love talking with you. Well, this is good. This is a good way to do it. This is uh, this is the wonders of technology. Uh, one of us is in uh, Scottsdale, Arizona, and the other is in Grand Haven, Michigan, I believe. Mm-hmm. And um, if if I if you don't remember who Allison is, really quickly, Allison works with um, children, um, adolescents, young adults, and teaching them um, empowerment and um, helping them uh, connect with their voice. And to share openly, confidently, comfortably share their feelings. Did I summarize that okay? Yes. Beautiful. Okay, perfect. Thank perfect. you. Um, when you know, last week I was noodling through a few things, and um, I, uh, I with what I did was I kind of like came down to two subjects, and we ended up picking one. So today we're going to talk a little bit about listening and respect. And, um, I, you know, when I put the promo out, I put it out as R-E-S-P-E-C-T because I always think of respect and I think of Aretha Franklin and you know, R-E-S-P-E-C-T. <laughs> so anyway, that's what that's what we're going to talk about. But the reason, you know, and I'm sure we've all have stories. And in fact, I am going to put Allison on the spot and talk to her a little bit about if she has a story that pops out for her. But every one of us has had that situation where we feel like we're just being disrespected. There's and and the emotions and the stuff that comes with it, whether it's the, you know, somebody poking fun of the way we're talking, somebody ignoring what we're sharing, somebody ridiculing us for the way we're dressing or how we think. Um, you know, disrespect can go in a million different directions, but we've all had that that moment where it's just like, gosh, you know, I'm not being treated right. And this this isn't good. And so um, we're going to talk a little bit about that, but specifically as we talk about it, we're going to focus in on um, when somebody is sharing with us and we're in that listening mode, what it looks like when we're being disrespectful or when we're not dis- not respecting the message, but we're, we're going we're gonna to walk uh, to that path a little bit. We're going to take our time getting there first. So Allison, 
do you have like a like a lightning rod moment where you just like felt totally and massively disrespected? Yes. You willing to the share the story? Sure. Yeah. I wish I could just say there was one, but I, I'll give you the most recent one. The one that comes to mind because it's the most recent. Uh, I was, so part of this occurred because there was a miscommunication. So it already was rooted in not listening initially. But I was invited to be on a radio show in Detroit about two weeks ago. And I thought I was on the show to be interviewed. They thought, I'm not really sure why they thought I was there, maybe just to hang out. I think they thought I was a really big fan of the show. So I show up excited to share all the work that I'm doing. They say one sentence about me and the work, and then they go right into making jokes about uh, bathrooms, which I found really just inappropriate. And then into making jokes about me dating one of the other men that was sitting around the table. And every time I would try to say something that was serious or true to me, it was just deflected and made fun of constantly. So it was a whole hour of this. And the whole time I'm sitting there thinking, what am I supposed to do? I think this is a big part of what I'd like to talk about today is what do you do? I mean, do I get up and walk away? That feels rude and disrespectful to the other people, but they're not being respectful of me in my space. So I sat there for a whole hour, the whole time thinking, like, where am I? What did I get myself into? And how do I get out of this? Mm. Yeah, it was unpleasant. So um, in the sense of unpleasant, let's start there. Is what were, I think you talked a little bit about the emotions, but talk a little bit about the emotions. What were you, what was, what was going in, in your feelings there? I was feeling, I was feeling nervous about being associated with these people in some way, because I was on their show and they were so rude to me that I just thought, oh, I don't want people to have the sense that they can treat me like this. Mm -hmm. uh, I was definitely feeling a sense of them wanting to create a dynamic of them being superior to me by shutting me down and making fun of me every time they could. Uh, and I felt it really in my chest, just this tightening the whole mm -hmm. time while I was sitting there. And then when I got out, I realized I'd been holding my breath. And I finally just started breathing and then my stomach started feeling queasy. Yeah. So I had a, an actual visceral, visceral reaction to the whole thing as well. Oh. Uh, yeah. I don't usually get embarrassed, but I think if I were to be someone who got embarrassed, I would be embarrassed. You usually don't get embarrassed. That's good for you. No, no. <laughs> yeah. But you were, so you were in this situation um, and I don't think helpless is the appropriate word, but you were in a place where you didn't know how to, how to navigate through it. Yeah. Well, you were looking, you were looking, you were, you were looking for an exit or a path out. Yeah. And isn't there something about that when you're not actually being listened to that it then becomes almost harder to extricate yourself from that situation because a power dynamic has been set up. Mm -hmm. in the lack of respect. And so I have a really hard time in those situations finding a path through where I reestablish us as equals and not feel like I'm lesser than and unable mm -hmm. to move. Mm -hmm. 
So I want to flip this on you a little bit, because you said, you know, love to talk about how do we respond. Um, mm -hmm. As you work with kids, mm -hmm. how do you tell them how to handle situations like that? <laughs> Good question. It just popped in my head. I wish I could tell you I had genius and planned this all out. <laughs> so I think it depends on the context. If it's somebody where, like the case where I was in, I probably would have told them to feel strong enough to leave and walk out. That's what I would wish for anybody. Right, that you have the strength and courage within yourself to know that something isn't aligned and to just leave and not worry about the ramifications. Mm -hmm. um, it's different, though, if it's in a situation where it's, say, a family member or somebody you have to see all the time, because yes, you can leave that situation, but at the end of the day, you have to come back and sort through that communication. Mm -hmm. It's not as easy to just walk away from it. So in the, the latter case, it would be more of a conversation about how do we create a, a space where you can say what you need to say and feel heard. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the challenge that you have, and the reason I actually, what triggered for me, the question about, you know, you talking to children is you're in a situation, you know, fortunately for me, I'm, I'm, I'm familiar with the, uh, not the incident, but I'm familiar with the setup for this. Um, you're in a situation where it's, it's this isn't like you're on Dave's podcast. You're in a, you're in a room with um, known quantities, people who have some cachet. They have some presence in the market in the industry. They you know they're essentially high highbrow celebrities. Yeah. So it's kind of like with a children. The reason I asked you that it's kind of like children. It says, "What do you do when you're in a situation where your teacher or the principal yes. or is being a jerk? How do you tell them to knock it off, or how do you walk mm -hmm. away?" And that's mm -hmm. where you you were because you were looking for how do I how do I get my power because these people are powerful. Yeah. Yeah, that's a big deal. Yeah. So it's interesting that you said, you know, brought this up because that obviously that um that happens to all of us. You know, we get in a situation, you know, and it's funny that you told this because I have a similar story. <laughs> um I interrupt. Sure. I, I interrupted my story. I went to tell this story a couple of weeks ago and I interrupted it. And I actually, in my, in my age, I think in senility or my long windedness, I lost it. But anyway, I was facilitating a um, CEO forum here in Phoenix and they were everybody in that room, not everybody, but let's just say the sake of it is the, of the eight gentlemen in that room, um, seven gentlemen, one woman um, in that room were um, CEOs that I wanted to find a way to do business with. And one of the CEOs met me, we talked, he's seen me speak before, and he invited me to facilitate this forum. And I had been disrespected a couple of times. One of the guys kept saying, hey, maybe we need to have a professional facilitator. You know, what's the implication that I'm not a professional? So that hurt a lot. But what tipped everything for me was one time we had a um, professor from ASU, a leadership professor, come in and talk to the group about leadership lessons that she instills with executives and teaches the um, at the school. And there was a whole bunch of them, but there was one thing that she said that, you know, just really jumped out at me is really cool is that she said, no matter how many people in are in your company, you're not responsible for all of them. You're responsible for the people that report to you. And to me, that resonated 
So the following week, we or the following month, we had a you know a round table. The group got back together and said, "What did you think of?" And I wish I could remember her name, but what did you think of the presentation last month? A couple of people said some things, and I, you know, we were sitting at the table eating lunch, so I figured I'd pipe in, and I said, you know, one of the things that just really resonated with me was this thing about what who you're responsible for. And this one CEO, and I'm trying not to be judgmental, critical Dave here, because this is a softwells listening group, but um, one of the CEOs that I particularly thought had a very strong ego and was a bit of a jerk um, said, well, that's where you're wrong. And he <laughs> went, he proceeded to explain to me his philosophy that he's responsible for everybody, because if he doesn't realize uh, the power and the, the presence of his decisions, and he justified it, but I never heard a word he said. Because what I said was, I like what this woman said, what resonated with me. I didn't say this is what why she was right. Mm-hmm. But he jumps down my throat and says, that's where you're wrong. I'm thinking like, how the hell could I be wrong? I was only sharing a perspective. There's That's an opinion. You can't be wrong on opinions. And it just... Like that, I what I wanted to do is I just wanted to stand up and punch him in the face. I got to be honest, I was so mad <laughs> that I wanted to tell him to piss off and what a jerk he was. And, you know, so my and it was like, where's the exit? How do I how do I stand up to this guy and tell him to piss off or how do I leave the room or whatever? Fortunately, somebody um, right behind it interrupted and brought the tension down. I don't know. Maybe I showed my tension. I don't know. But I never got past that. In fact, actually, I quit the group after that. I just said, screw it. I'm not going to be around these people. But like you said, there's this moment where you're sitting there going, wait a minute. (laughs) You know, this isn't, I'm not being treated with respect here at all. I'm like some idiot that said something wrong. And this guy wants to make sure every, you know, to everybody that that's what I am. I'm some goofball in the room and I'm not Mm -hmm. like him. And, um, so whenever I think about being disrespected, you know, um, those that's the one that triggers and is my best example, mm-hmm. kind of like yours in some respects, right? Yeah. Isn't so. there something interesting about the two where there's an element of feeling like maybe there's something that we need or want from that group? Because I think when I was sitting there, I, I had this impression that they were going to be interviewing me. So it wasn't until really late in the episode that I, it occurred to me, oh, that's not actually going to happen. Yeah. this what The ship that was supposed to be there is, has already sailed. In fact, it never showed up. Yeah. <laughs> and so I wonder how I would have responded if I'd realized that early on. Because the whole time I thought I needed something from them. So I was willing to put myself in this position, I think, a lot. Mm-hmm. longer than I would have otherwise. And I wonder if it's the same with you, if you have this group of people that you're doing business with, it sets up this dynamic of like not wanting to upset them, mm-hmm. but then allowing yourself to be disrespected in the process, which isn't okay. Right. Well, I think the for me, the way I would summarize that dynamic is, is that, and it's interesting how you did this is, um, you said, I'm choosing to be respectful in case this gets cleaned up, right? I'm going to wait and see. And I think I did the same thing with this guy. It's like, okay, I could blow my stack. I could tell him what a jackass he is. Um, And if I saw him today, I probably would, but um, it's only been 10 years and it still lingers. But (laughs) um, 
we we chose we sat there and says well who who are who am i in this my value system my value system mm-hmm. says i am going to be respectful even though it's information so then you put yourself in the situation but how much am i supposed to take yeah it's like where's your boundary on this right and you go well i don't know i'm looking for my boundary because i'm not sure you know in hindsight now if you had a chance to look back and you'll say, learn from this experience. If you ever found yourself in that situation again, what would you do differently? Hmm. I mean, I think from the very beginning, I would verify why I was there. But let's imagine the communication around that was still not good. And I still found myself in this chair surrounded by five other people on live radio. I Now at the first break, I would have stopped and said, hey, this isn't what I thought it was. And it isn't working for you either. That's obvious. You're confused why I'm here. I'm confused why I'm here. Why don't we just part? You carry on with your show. Mm-hmm. Um, I did have an opportunity to go back on that show to be interviewed. And I said, no. So, oh, really? Because, yeah, I just don't, I don't trust that that's a space where listening and respect actually happens. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, the good news is, is that, if I don't know if they acknowledged the mistake, but they acknowledged your disappointment. So they got halfway there unless they went the whole distance and say, hey, we're really sorry. We did a poopy job and we'd like to clean up the mess. Um, I don't well, know, but I don't know. But I didn't talk to them. <laughs> another, another, another choice of words though, is I don't know if I can go back into that room because I don't trust those people. Yeah. See what happens when you get disrespected. You realize you're not safe or you're not valued. Mm-hmm. You know, you use seen, heard, understood is what we use. I hear that a lot on this, um, on with my guests, seen, heard, understood. Um, because none of that happened. You go, yeah, I just don't know if I can trust those people to be who I need them to be in this situation. Mm-hmm. And that's the cost of disrespect is you lose trust. And I think that that's an important thing. I've seen the it, it it is really an interesting dynamic because they probably had no idea what they were doing, which is the other thing why sometimes we need yeah. to speak. Sometimes we need to speak up, but it's kind of like, how do you do that? When do you do that? You know, other what other things? But the disappointing thing is, is that they didn't realize they were doing it, but even further back that they were doing it in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. Same like this. Same like you know my you know super CEO dude. His ego was so big, he had no idea what he was really saying. And I don't think he realized that somebody else um, threw cold water on the tension. I know he missed that mm-hmm. because he had no idea what was going on. But somebody else picked up on, whoa, that was pretty harsh. That was hard. That landed hard. Let me. And they kind of, even though we weren't you know, arguing or anything, because I was already shut down, but they picked up on something that's like, or, or that, that response resonated with them. They separate i guarantee that guy missed that shot because mm-hmm. he was so caught up in his ego and his game in his storytelling that he didn't realize that he sucked at being a respectful listener you know so yeah so what would you do what would you do differently now in that scenario <laughs> my problem is is that you know it's sad but 10 years later i still want to punch him in the face so i don't know if uh um, I don't know if that's the, the response that I, that I've always thought about at the time was, um, I wanted to say to him, I wanted to interrupt right out of the gate and say, look, a timeout, 
um, I was expressing opinion and opinion isn't right or wrong. An opinion is mine. And I would appreciate you to respect the opinion instead of telling me I'm wrong because I don't believe I was wrong. I believe I was sharing, Mm -hmm. but because I was wrong and he was still strong about it, I can, I'm my, of course I'm telling you a story for him, but my prediction is is that it would have just have escalated into a discussion about why my opinion was still wrong. He would defend his arguing on behalf of his opinion, um, telling me I'm wrong. He would have missed the point that he told me I was wrong. Which is really the message I wanted to convey is I hate when people say tell me I'm wrong anyway. Um that's just a that's just a personal, you know, that's goes back to other other psychological bullshit that's in my head. But um don't tell me I'm wrong. Tell me that's interesting. Let me bring in another thought. That's interesting. Can I offer a different perspective? That's interesting or curious, you know, it's like I'm kind of curious how you got there because I don't see it that way. Okay, that's a softer way of telling me that whatever um, I've said, the person isn't in agreement with. That's okay, but I can't stand when somebody tells me that I'm wrong because I'm not wrong. Every my perspective is valid from where I sit. What I see, what I believe, what I feel, what I've learned, what what I stand for, comes from a lifetime of development. I am not wrong. Okay, I could be misguided. I could be mistaken. I could be needing more information. But I am not wrong because I'm doing the best that I can with what I have. And I'm right. Because it works for me. Just like I wouldn't flip it on you, Allison, and say, hey, yeah, you handled that. You know, you handled that wrong. It's like, no, you handled it the way you handled it. Could you have done it better or differently? Absolutely. Cool. Then let's talk about that. But you did you did you do something wrong in that show by sitting through it and taking the abuse? No. So why would I tell you, you know, you handled that, you know, oh, you, you know, you handled that all wrong. That's so interesting. So okay. So from your perspective, saying you did something wrong is disrespectful. Yeah. It's because. It's it you're you're judging me, you're criticizing me. Okay, you have you have very little context other than what you just experienced, an opinion, a belief, maybe even something that I delivered as an absolute. Okay. Fine. But that's all you have. You have no context. And so to tell me that I'm wrong in context, without context, to something that you just heard tells me that you've made a judgment decision without having all the facts or without having sufficient information. Mm-hmm. Unless I'm, unless I'm um, obviously contradicting a known and universally agreed to law. I mean, there are some principles. If I say, you know, gravity is bullshit. Yeah. You know, I think somebody probably could tell me, Dave, come on, <laughs> you're a little, you know, you're a little misguided and that's, that's just plain wrong. That's stupid. You know, cause that would be somebody being arrogant. Because, you know, gravity has been tested and proven. We're all in agreement, you know, to what we say as the principles of gravity. So until, you know, I could say, yeah, I don't believe in it. It's good. Okay, so what are you doing to try to disprove it? But you can't tell me I'm wrong. It just can't. It just pisses me off. That makes me wonder then, okay, so what else is disrespectful? And what does it look like for a response to be respectful. I'm I'm super curious because I never correlated 
somebody telling me that I'm wrong with being disrespectful. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what other things? Well, usually it, it's just that, you know, it's the kind of like the clothes we wear, you know, if you say, you know, that outfit's all wrong, all wrong for who? Mm. All wrong for you, all wrong for the event, all wrong for the occasion, all wrong for my body, all wrong in your opinion. I mean, it just it, it's such a strong word because um, you know, and I, we've kind of kicked this over. We, we kick this around a lot, but I kind of believe that um, there's really who's the arbitrator of right and wrong. Who is the ultimate arb? Who wrote the rule book? And if there is a rule book, where the f is it? Okay, because I've never seen the rule book. You know, it's got to be. It probably looks bigger than the tax code because there's so many rules. But who wrote the rule book? Who enforces the rules? Who decides what rules have been broken? You know, it's kind of like you know, hey, people knock it off. It's it's like, do not tell me that I've done something wrong. Do not tell me this is wrong. Do it's more like, okay, that's interesting. You know, let's talk about other ways of looking at this. Let's talk about other ways of doing this. You know, Dave, that that shirt. You know, I'm not sure that shirt really fits into the profiles of you know, the dress code for the day, what other options would you be willing to consider? Right. Or how did you interpret, you know, that pink shirt for a, a black tie wedding um, as being appropriate? So that's, you know, and then you go and say, well, actually I didn't interpret. I decided I wanted to wear my pink shirt. Well, that's wrong. Well, according to who? What else? Okay. So aside from the wrongness though, what else is disrespectful? What else is disrespectful? Yeah. Um, as we get ready to take a break, what else is disrespectful is um, when you make a request to somebody and they just completely blow it off. Hey, can you help me with this? Yeah, sure. And then they walk out the door and come back an hour later and go, oh, I'm sorry. And it's like, to me, that's disrespectful because if I ask you to do something and you acknowledge it with an affirmative, and then you go do something else, which means you lost your focus, which happens. But if you lose your focus and then you come back and you haven't done it, or you just say, yeah, that's not, you know, I don't, I don't do dishes. Right. Can you help me with the dishes? Why well, I don't do dishes. That's disrespectful. Because I made a request to you say, oh, I'd prefer not to do dishes. Is there something else I can do? Because I hate doing dishes. Well, I really need you to do the dishes. All right, fine. Right. That's respectful. If I say, well, if you don't have anything else for me, then I guess we're I'm done here. See ya. That's disrespectful because you left something that somebody was looking for you to help them with. That's disrespectful. I mean, I could go on and on. <laughs> Please, I'm trying to map out like what actually this is because it's so different from my understanding of disrespect. Well, well, when we come back from break, we'll have to spend some time on this. Yeah. yeah. So am I. So I'm am I talking about? This. Am I talking about disrespect in an entirely different language than than you right now? Yeah. Really? Completely. Yeah. Oh, okay. So when we come back from break, now that Dave defined his idea in some context of what disrespect is, um, we're going to come back from break, and Allison is going to bring us into a whole new sphere of a different kind of disrespect. And this is going to be bad. This is going to be bad in the sense this is badass. <laughs> this is going to be good. All right. So stay tuned and we'll be back. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. 
We are living in a time where a relentless commitment to opinions and beliefs are dividing communities and fracturing crucial relationships. Making ourselves right and those who disagree with us wrong leaves little room for engaging in a constructive learning dialogue. There is little opportunity to change minds, find common ground, or solve complex problems. Those who are not being heard or understood become angry, hurt, lost, isolated, alone, and more. While mental health-related issues are on the rise, too few know how to safely share their struggles, and far too many don't know how to care about those that do. While it is increasingly frustrating to experience an increase in this communication divide, there is hope, and according to David Cook, there is an answer. The answer lies in how we adjust our communication style and shift our listening behaviors. In his radio show, Stop Telling and Start Listening, host David Cook introduces his audiences to the power found in creating a safe place for sharing life perspectives and experiences without judgment, criticism, correction, or shame. There are tremendous opportunities in learning to see the world from the eyes of another. Join David on Mondays at 11 Pacific. Discover how shifting your listening behaviors will close the divide that exists between you and others in your community. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You're listening to Stop Telling and Start Listening. Have a question for David or his guests? Join us on the show at 888-346-9141. That's 888-346-9141. Or you can email Dave at dave at thecookgroupllc.com. Now, back to the show with David. And we're back. This is David Cook with Alice in Paradise, and you are listening to Stop Telling and Start Listening. And um, before we went to break, we were talking about disrespect, um, um, according to Dave. And Allison was fascinated because I was talking about disrespect and, when, you know, the idea of people just ignoring requests or people um, basically telling us we're wrong, diminishing our words and stuff like that. And Allison um, said at the beginning of the break, said, you know, that wasn't quite where I thought we were going to go in some sense. So we're going to we're going to um give the controls to Allison. She's going to talk a little bit about disrespect and um how she would I guess quantify it or talk about it. So Allison, take it away. Okay. I love love the way that you describe it because as I said it's not it's not at all how I thought about disrespect before. But to me it's not meeting somebody where they are. Mm-hmm. kind of not seeing somebody, not considering somebody. So if somebody tells me I'm wrong or if they don't like what I'm wearing or if they ignore requests, that doesn't necessarily feel to me to be disrespectful. What for me feels disrespectful is if is if somebody has set up a power dynamic where they're treating me as lesser than because then that's not equal consideration or or I guess actively minimizing mm-hmm. I think that's really what it is like a minimization of the of my being that's disrespect mm-hmm. so if it's 
spoken from a place of equality, I guess. And I don't necessarily like the words that are coming out of their mouth. I wouldn't equate that as disrespect in the same way that I would something else. So but I don't know. I mean, I'm not actually sure what it is. You know, it's a good question. Well, that, that, you know, that is a another dynamic. Um, you know, I didn't spend a lot of time on that, but I, I agree with you completely is, you know, one of the challenges that we have societally is, is that there are, there are, um, and I use the word right, right and wrong, but yeah, there are people that we look down upon. We don't see them, you know, like the whole idea is, you know, we've, we've, I, I've done this a few times. I've done the Christian knock, you know, chuckle, chuckle, but you know, if everybody's, um, if God has made everybody perfect and we're all God's children, then if, if everybody's been made in the likeness of God and we're all God's children, then who is, who's screwed up? Nobody. Mm-hmm. Either that or we're all screwed up equally. So we can't point to a, to a race or a class or a, um, a behavior or something else and say, well, you know, that's, and, and we diminish them diminish it, mm-hmm. dehumanize them. Um, or, you know, Hey, you know, great Allison, thanks for sharing, but you know, we don't, uh, we don't usually take opinions from secretaries. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, you know, if you have a complaint, we don't really, you know, take it to your boss and our boss will take your boss will take it to us, you know, and it's like, yeah, how do you feel then? Well, you feel, you feel disrespected. You feel minimized. Mm-hmm. You know, wait a minute. I'm the person experiencing this. Why can't I be the person to share my discomfort? Because that's just not how we do things. You know? Yeah. Um, is that your, was that kind of uh, some of an example of that? Yeah. I have this image of a, a woman I used to work with used this analogy, which I just loved about a guy she was dating, how he would treat her like she was a, a screen on his computer, that he would just hit the minimize bar whenever he didn't want to deal with her. Mm. And that, I think that to me sums up exactly what it feels like to be disrespected is you're talking to somebody and they're like in front of you hitting the minimize Mm -hmm. on the screen and then walking away. Yeah, the walking away. See, that's the disrespect. The minimize isn't it's the walking away. It's the, you know. Um, cause I, we have this all the time and I guess, I guess to me that, um, isn't as, as big a crime when you can tell somebody isn't really listening, but when they flip it and then they start focusing on something else that is up for them more important, not only are they minimizing me, but they've elevated something ahead of me to their, to, that is obvious. And it's mm-hmm. like, wait a minute, this is bullshit. <laughs> right. And it's like, yeah. I'm speaking here. And they like, yeah, yeah, but I don't have time for that right now. What I really need is, and then they flip it and now they're talking and it's like, oh, yeah, I hate that when that happens. Or, you know, it's little things like that. Or you show up to, you show up for a meeting and the person shows up 15 minutes late and they say, sorry, um, I, you know, sorry, I'm late, but I, and I'm going to have to leave early. Mm. And it's like, well, time out. I was here on time. I respected your time. I respected the commitment of our time together. You show up late for whatever reason without having the respect and the courtesy to call me and tell me we're running behind. And then you have the nerve to show up late to tell me you're leaving early as because you don't want to be late for something else. So what does that tell me about our time together? It's not as important. Mm-hmm. 
Therefore, what's the what's the byproduct? I feel disrespected. In fact, I have been disrespected. Not even a feeling. Even if I have that feeling, it doesn't matter because I'm not, you know, back to the right and wrong. If I tell somebody that, hey, you know, I feel a little disrespected. Well, you know, that it's not what you think. Well, yeah, it's what I'm experiencing. So whatever I think is valid, you know, back to the the your experience at the radio show or me calling the the dude out. He said, Well, that's it's not what you think. That's not what I meant. Well, I got news for you. That's what I experienced. And because I experienced it, it's real for me because it's real for me. It's valid. So don't diminish it because you don't feel like dealing with it or you don't see it the way I see it. Okay. I still experienced the, the, the being devalued, disrespected. I experienced it. And that's why I'm sharing this with you. You know, and I think that that's the really interesting thing. It's just like, yeah, man. But but people do that all the time. And it's a struggle to take responsibility for their behaviors. Mm-hmm. And it's a struggle for them to take responsibility for the things that they say that are important or who they are, which goes back to the whole thing is, you know, being authentic to yourself. Um, so, yeah, I uh, yeah, disrespect is a is an interesting thing because it, it covers everywhere. I can go down, you know, I can keep going on things about disrespect all day long. Um. So what does it look like then if you're in a situation where somebody is being disrespectful? Is there a way that you found to turn it around to even it back out again? Um, um, responding to your question, literally, um, first of all, even it back out is scorekeeping. Be careful. Because <laughs> um, if you say even it back out, that means you're behind. You know, that's how I hear it. Um, mm-hmm. So how do we how do we get back how do we get things back to a place where it, where the communication is working or the interaction is working is what you what you said even it out like I said just you know, kind of I don't know it just jumped out of me like I, sometimes words just jump at me I apologize but no it's um, fine I, I mean equal so okay. even even in the sense of like balanced not well, in the score sense you know it, well you know I think that how do you do that I mean, you know what have I what have I found is is that um, Sometimes, in fact, in 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 my limited experience with working with this, I mean, I've done a lot of stuff, but a lot of times what I really have found is it's really hard to be confrontational mm-hmm. in the moment, in a situation like that. Because like I'm betting with your with your interview experience, with my CEO experience, um you could have left the room. Okay. That would have been the extreme response. Um, the only other thing you could do is, like you said, in hindsight, looking at timeout during break timeout. Hey, guys, I don't know what you thought I was here for, but that, right now I'm not. This isn't this isn't what I expected. This is what I planned for. I don't know what you expected or planned for, but is there an opportunity for us to regroup? Mm-hmm. And they go, what do you mean? And they, and they say, well, if, you know, if they say, what do you mean? And you get a generous thing. Or they say, hey, what, well, what do you mean? OK, what you're getting is this. You're getting the, you know, what do you mean defensive thing? It's going to be hard to navigate that. So then what you do is you're going to tell your story. Say, I came here with the expectation that, da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Oh, okay. Well, we didn't say, well, can we regroup? Can we regroup this or not? And so, well, I really, we're not really prepared to interview or I'm not really sure, da-da-da-da. Okay, then, you know, you take, you you, you stay in the, um, back to even out, you stay in control of the situation because that's really what you're doing. You're taking control to to get it reframed. 
So you say, maybe this is a good time for us just to take a break then. And maybe we'll regroup at another time, date or time when we've had more chance to talk about my participation on a future show. But right now, it's obvious you're not prepared to move forward and I'm not prepared to sit here. So I'm going to take off. Um, that would be my response. Doesn't mean it's really going to work, but what it does is it gives you the opportunity to create some boundaries. Are we going to work this out or not? No. Okay. If we can't work it out, great. Cause I'm not going to sit here anymore. Cause I don't, in my boundaries say, I don't sit here and take abuse. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I don't take, I don't sit in a room to be disrespected. So if we can't figure out a way for us to rejigger this, so there's, we have a respectful interaction, I'm going to exercise my right not to participate and I'm going to go. So that's why boundaries are really important. You have to be clear on your boundaries. And in this, in and just listening to you talk, and we've met before. I mean, I'm not going to put words in your mouth, but you have a boundary. One of your boundaries is just that: I treat people with respect. I expect to be treated with respect. Mm-hmm. I treat people with thoughtfulness and kindness. I expect people to treat me with thoughtful and kindness and kindness. And so that you know, that's what I will do. I will treat people with thoughtfulness and kindness. What I won't do is I won't subject myself to a place where I'm being disrespected, where people are being unkind. I just won't. So then that's what you do is you say, well, how do you respond to that? Well, then you go to what I won't tolerate, right? What I won't. And so you say, now that I'm in this situation, I have to give myself permission to either fix it or get out of it. And the same thing with, with that with that guy. The response was, is time out. I'm not wrong. I'm expressing an opinion. I appreciate you disagreeing with my opinion, but I don't appreciate being cold. I was wrong because this wasn't a situation where right and wrong was part of the conversation. You know, and you just, you know, you just wing it. A lot of times what I, you know, the re- and I say that, and I don't, I don't say that with tremendous conviction because I worry about, I get concerned about certain things. If I try to fix them in the moment of tension, chances are I can't. Mm-hmm. So usually what I do is, is that, you know, in your situation, I probably would have gotten snarky, but I have a different personality than you do. I would have fought back. I probably would have stepped down to their level. And they would have invited me to leave. Do you know what I did at the end? I don't know if <laughs> no. I told you. So- oh, we haven't talked. This is the first time we've talked about this experience. I've been dying to talk to you. But for the record, to the listeners, I knew the background. I didn't know the whole story. So this is, I'm getting this with you guys. <laughs> so what I did at the end, because I, I thought I have to get out of this, but I don't know how to get out of it in a way that isn't confrontational, which doesn't land well, especially when you're female. It just doesn't work in a room mm-hmm. of men. Uh, we started talking about music and I said, we should all sing a song together which is a very Allison thing to do. I like singing songs and it's, it like changed the feeling of the room. So I said, we should sing a Motown song because we're in Detroit, but I couldn't think of one fast enough because it's, that's really not my generation, <laughs> you know? Uh, and they wouldn't, they were like, you choose the song. So I thought, okay, I'm going to choose Ichiku Park. Do you know that song? No. It's a great song. Only one other person knew it, but we sang this song and it's a song that the chorus goes, it's all too beautiful. And it's about being in a park. And uh, I think it's all too beautiful. beautiful. That one. Yeah. So I sang that on the air 
And that was my way of diffusing what I felt like was an imbalance. Yeah. Uh, well, good for yeah. you. So you did bring it back to a kind of a kumbaya moment. Yeah, kind of. I had to. I couldn't be in that. It felt so awful to be in that space. And maybe it didn't shift the respect piece, but I felt like I was at least able to be full and whole in the Mm -hmm. space. And I think that's really what, for me, the disrespect does is it diminishes so that you're unable to show up whole. Mm -hmm. So I was just thinking, how do I show up whole? How do I at least end this so that I don't feel like I've shrunk to the size of a grain of sand? you, you You felt small there? Oh, I felt so small. They were so dismissive of me. And then singing that song, not anymore. <laughs> yeah. so, that's worked. interesting. Good for you. Yeah, well, that, that's it. It's um I think that that's really uh, when I'm in a when I'm in a situation like that, that's really what it is is that how do I how do I how do I navigate this, right? Um is it is it is it an exit? Um, is it a, is there a rational thought? Is there a way to just say a few things? I mean, that's, and, and, and you, you, you're obviously you're brainstorming on the fly because you don't, can't sit down and map it out. Say, okay, what if I do? So you're like, what's, what's the path? How do I, how do I turn this around? How do I fix this? How do I get out? How do I end it? And whatever it is. And it's the same thing, you know, with me, you know, I kind of feel that way, but a lot of times because I don't feel like, you know, um, sometimes the situation or that, or somebody has been dis- in a large group, like with this guy, large group of people in a room, the best response. Um, and I say the best response because there are alternative responses, but the best response is to make sure that person knew what happened. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's not going to always happen in the room in the moment, but it needs to happen while it's fresh for everybody. So I could circle back around maybe during a break or whatever, or maybe at the end of like, you know, as I use my certain situation as we're all, you know, getting ready to go in our car, I could have said, Hey, you know, dipstick, um, you got a minute mm-hmm. and say, I, you know, I just need to get this off my chest. When you did this, this is how I felt. And I know that you didn't mean that, you know, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. I know you didn't mm-hmm. mean that, but you need to know when you say something like that to somebody, the potential for them to hear it and the impact that it has on how they feel about you and themselves and the relationship, this is what it does. And I think that we have a responsibility to do that. Most people, well, yeah, I couldn't do that. I couldn't tell my boss that he pissed me off. Why not? Um, because, you know, back to your leveling the playing field, if I make my boss more important than they really are, then I've already seeded equality. Yes. Yes. So I need to recognize that my boss is entitled to the respect that comes with him or her, excuse me, for being in authority. But that only means that respect is that when they ask me to do something, I can ask questions about how to do it or whatever, but I can't tell them no. I can't tell them to shut up and leave me alone. I can't tell them they're an idiot because they are my boss. I have to treat them respect the different, with respect to deference of their position. However, they're still a human being. They still have responsibilities to treat me like a human being. And they have an obligation to know the impact of their behaviors. And I have an obligation 
if I'm truly interested in their personal and professional development and in our relationship, I have an obligation to educate them. Mm-hmm. And most people struggle with that. And I get it, but it's like, what happens is this. Yeah, they always do that. Well, what have you talked to them? No, I can't because there's lots of story you're telling. And now what you're going to end up doing is you're ending up being a victim at some point in time because you told yourself a story that you can't fix it. You may not be able to fix it, but you have an obligation to try to improve it. Mm-hmm. it it's coming to my mind that we sometimes conflate the fact that there's an equality of being, which is when I say equal, I mean the equality of being, mm-hmm. the actual being in us versus the societal positions that we find ourselves in. So mm-hmm. all beings are equal. And it's at that level that you need to meet people. And the rest of it, sure, like if you've got somebody who's meant to be your boss in a social situation, there are things that societally need to be done. But at the end of the day, you you still are equal in being. Mm-hmm. And being able to recognize that is respectful. So mm-hmm. saying that something isn't landing right with you or isn't feeling right or that the tone didn't quite work or whatever it was, saying that to somebody demonstrates inequality of being not saying it really shifts that mm-hmm. it's almost lying to yourself and denying yourself that equality right and you're yeah because that's what you're doing is you're elevating them to a position you're at you know, what you're doing is you're saying um in that situation just like with your situation because you know there's a prominent people on the radio show mm-hmm. and because they're prominent therefore you did this Wait, you know, they're just human beings like the rest of us. They just happen to have some titles, but who they are isn't their title. Exactly. Who they are is who they are. And you meet them where they are for who they are. And we've talked about that, you know, on other episodes and stuff, because I'm a big fan of, you know, practicing love and acceptance. But part of love and acceptance is meeting them where they are for who they are. And who they are isn't their title. Who they are is who they are in... The, as they interface with the world, with their personality, their 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 gifts, their talents, their flaws, um, our tension, however you go it. Mm-hmm. I got to meet them there in that whatever it is, because that's where we're operating. That's the sphere we're playing in. And it's icky and it's messy and it's confusing and they have a bad attitude and they have a temper and they're my boss. And those are stories that aren't, none of those are true to the situation of the dynamic of who they are in terms of human beings. Mm-hmm. And um, so it, I, and I agree with you. I think it's, it's, you know, I think you said it's, if you don't do that with them, you're being disrespectful to them. You're disrespecting mm-hmm. the relationship. Mm-hmm. And to yourself, really. Yeah. Yeah. So interesting. Mm-hmm. So did we end up finally end up in a place where, this work for you? <laughs> <laughs> it always works for me. I, I'm always just interested in different perspectives because as we were talking, I was wondering how much of our perception of disrespect comes from places where we ourselves feel maybe insecure or not totally whole. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I don't know the answer to that, but maybe people listening can take that question on board and just examine it. Because mm-hmm. as I'm talking about where I feel disrespect is for me it's absolutely the place where i feel the the weakest in myself and we've and i think we talked about this a little bit in the in our episode on beliefs is like what's the story we're telling about ourselves 
Mm-hmm. So obviously, um, and one of the things we talked about at the time in that episode, I think it was the episode, right? Was I was one being in control, being right, winning, all that. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, it's obviously, you know, I there's something in my wiring that I'm extremely hyper, hypersensitive to wrong. I don't want anybody to tell me I'm wrong. So at some point in my life as a kid, growing up, whatever, that's a trigger. Yeah. Tell me I'm wrong. Yeah. You're going to, you're going to get, you're going to get the Dave. You're going to trigger the Dave. (laughs) And um, so there's, there's, there's truth to that. But the idea being is again, like you just said, is I need to recognize my sensitivity to certain things, the story that I'm telling about myself, how I feel about myself. Um, you know, my interactions with people, because we saw, oh, there it goes again, people disrespecting me. Well, why is that? Well, people always disrespect. No, they don't always read it. But you're telling a story about disrespect. So let's go into what disrespect is to you and why it triggers you. And some of the things that are, are they real or are they manifestations of other things that are sitting in the background that you need to become aware of? Yeah. And that's that's extremely true because most of our triggers are tied to something in the background. There's there's all sorts of poop in the background that we got to sort through. But um, you know, you start out here, and it's interesting because I have an episode coming up. I pre-recorded, so I know a little bit about it. But um, there's the whole idea is pause. You know, this guy talks about poet pause, observe, examine, and explore, and give thanks. So when you're in that situation, you pause. You say, okay, okay. I'm observed. What's going on here? What am I feeling? What am I thinking? What's going on that's causing me this tension? Okay, now, how do I move through this in the moment based on all that? You know, the correction. So the more in touch we are as we do the observation, what's going on? What's happening? We say, oh, yeah, this happens because this happens to me when. And I now I understand why. Now I understand, too, back to your one of the questions. How do, now that I'm aware of what it is. How do I navigate this? Mm-hmm. And then give thanks for the opportunity. So anyway, Allison, you know what? These hours go by so quick, but, you know, I really, really, really am uh, grateful that you uh, volunteer to join me once in a while. These conversations are so good. Yeah, me too. Thank you for having me. I love right. this so much. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. All right. For the rest of you guys. The, my great listeners out there, the list is growing. Thank you for inviting your friends to tune in and listen. But remember, open your arms, open your arm, ears, open your eyes, open your heart, open your mind, and start listening. Because once you start listening, everything changes. Have a great week. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Stop Telling and Start Listening. We hope you've picked up on some useful ideas to help you enhance your conversational skills. Until we listen again, have a beautiful week.